Coming up on the podcast, Burt Reynolds is Hooper. I don't know if you know what that means, but you're going to find out. Welcome to the Magnificently Huge Podcast with your hosts, Eric Reed, Brian Kruger, and Chris Ryerson. Three idiots who decided to slap an adverb together with an adjective to bring you one magnificently huge discussion each week about the movies and pop culture we kind of like, maybe even secretly love, before we ultimately crab all over them. We're not here to save the world, we're just here to make it weirder, one podcast at a time. This is Magnificently Huge. You can hit him, kick him, gently abuse him, set him on fire, we'll abuse him, heaven knows he won't hold a grudge. Oh, hello listener, welcome to episode 231 of the Magnificently Huge podcast. This is Chris, this week along with Eric and Brian, we're going to dive back to one of my favorite movies from the late 70s, uh, one of the formative movies of my childhood, because it was on HBO all the time back in the day. Uh, it's a little Burt Reynolds comedy classic called Hooper, which is uh, about stuntmen. There's no plot, there's no story, it's just Burt Reynolds being an aging stuntman, moving about uh, a, a fake spy movie that they're doing, and it's just uh, shenanigans and antics, and uh, Burt Reynolds being Burt Reynolds. It was fresh off the heels of Smoking the Bandit the year before, so it's got that vibe. If you've seen Smoking the Bandit, then you know exactly what you're going to get with Hooper, and you do. So, uh, join us, won't you? We're going to delve. Brian had never seen it before, so it's good to get his fresh take on it. Uh, Eric, of course, has seen it because he's a loser like me and had HBO as a job. So, uh, if you want to watch the movie first, I think it's on HBO Max, but you can find it wherever you want. Uh, I would definitely recommend it. Get in there, get your antics going, enjoy it, and then come back and hear us talk about it. Because it's uh, not bad. I mean, it's not the greatest movie ever made, but it's not bad. So if you like what you hear about us uh, talking about this stupid thing, then uh, send us an email to magnificenthuge@gmail.com. You can reach out to us via uh, Twitter at MagHuge on Facebook, Huge Podcast. We're even on Instagram for whatever reason. Or you can head over to our website, maghuge.com, where we've got links and stuff. And then you can also find our show wherever you get podcasts, theoretically. I mean, you're listening now, so you've managed to find it. So uh, without further ado, we're just going to dive right in, uh, get to some uh, stuntman talk about a movie that talks about stuntmen and stuff. I mean, that's really all it is. It's just goofy fun, just like the show. Hope you enjoy. Talk to you later. Bye-bye. My spoon is too big. <laughs> My spoon is too big. This spoon is too big. Yeah. I am a banana. <laughs> <laughs> if y'all don't know what he's talking about, yeah, just look that up. Look it up. Deep cut. Yeah. That's Eric. Deep Hi, cut. Eric. Hi, Eric. That, that was Eric. His spoon is too big. My name is Brian. How's, how big is your spoon, Brian? My spoon is just right. <laughs> just right. Mm-hmm. This is Chris. Yep. Uh, sometimes you just have to be the spoon, if you know what I'm saying. So welcome to this the show, This is Eric, everybody. and I am a consumer whore. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, Chris. You're supposed to say, and how? No, I'm not going <laughs> to play your stupid game. Anyway, uh, that's a cartoon. Look it up. Classic. Called Rejected uh, by Don Hirschfeld fucking genius yeah. yeah it's uh it's good welcome to the program i am feeling fat and sassy <laughs> is that your is i think i'll just your... enter that as my uh this week's fresh shit that's what i will okay do. oh you said the no. magic words so much for introductions yeah 
We so, don't need them. So was, and apparently all Eric's got is fat, fatness and sassiness. So Don, Don Hirschfeld uh, uh, rejected from 1999, which is just a, a, a crazy ass cartoon. It's uh, yeah. Did it get an Academy Award? It shoulda. Uh, I'm not sure. I know it got nominated, I, and it did the I think rounds. He got awards. Yeah. for that other one that he did. Uh, I can't remember the name of right now. Yeah, and I think he uh, he got some good. Uh, Spike and Mike action uh, with that mm-hmm. particular one too, but yeah, if nobody's seen it, it's genius. It's basically this uh, deconstructed cartoon. It's an artist. It's an artist doing short commercials for well, an, you know, an, for commercial reasons, and the I guess the constraints slowly make him go insane, and you yeah. don't know any of this except through the the art he creates itself. That he is it's slowly very, losing his yeah, nut. It's it's a very uh, modern take on Duckamuck, the Chuck Jones Daffy Duck <laughs> classic. It's that vibe, but just amped to eleven. It's, it's like the Kevin Smith budget level of Duckamuck. Yeah, basically, <laughs> right? it's yeah, like nineties yeah. indie film, but yeah. uh, Duckamuck. But it's definitely one of the one the scene. There's one scene where two stick figures are looking directly at the camera and hammering on the screen and when they do the paper that they are on crinkles it is astonishing it is yeah, like it's, when it's you see that good. you want to stand up and clap yeah. yeah it's a technical marvel to be sure uh yeah but yeah well good so you're just so, watching that in a, in a fever dream just uh over and over yeah that was nice. one of the things I watched, yeah. I also did break down and watched uh, Star Trek Strange New Worlds. The and whole series? Yeah. I was okay. pretty much, I was pretty much, I was right. I was exactly right as to what would go on. This was their response to all the Star Trek fans saying Star Trek Discovery and Picard are absolute ass and fucking stop it. You don't understand Star Trek. So they said, right. oh, okay, the, fine. Okay. We'll, we'll give you what you want, which is a sort of monster of the week crew traveling in a ship exploring being positive kind of show and they kind of get it right except that where they don't which is that they still basically want to do something other than Star Trek the last episode involves the Gorn which you may remember from an original episode Mm -hmm. Uh, and it turns into Alien it is it is aliens. They they burst out of your chest when they're being born. They didn't make nothing original here. It is alien, and I I I'm like yeah fuck you just fuck you. And they 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 kill a regular character, and I'm like, again you missed the point of Star Trek. You know, positive so, exploring. So at this stage, <laughs> and I don't maybe this is a question more for Brian because he's watching the Star Wars stuff as well. Whereas I know you're not Eric. But do you think mm-hmm. they should just stop doing these legacy programs for these franchises, like completely? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're not going to bother okay. to do it right. Yeah, I don't like that they are bringing it back so that they can do their own shit. It's like if you want to yeah. do your own shit, make up your own shit. If you want to do I'm, somebody else's legacy shit, make it like they made it. Yeah, you know. Okay. Yeah, I. I mean. We're we're at a point now where the Orville is considered the good Star Trek show. Yeah, 
the Seth Which, MacFarlane thing. Like, and isn't that just sort of I like mean, a Galaxy Quest sort of vibe in that they're doing? Yeah. Okay. But 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 here's the thing, right? Like. We said this about Star Wars over and over, which is what made Star Wars into the thing it was, was its occasional absence. It was the anticipation of the next bit that made it interesting. And now it's just everywhere all the time. That's also what's wrong with Marvel in Phase 4. Yeah. Like, Mm -hmm. there's been been more hours of Marvel content since phase four started then like all of the first three phases combined and and these movies are coming out and it's almost like oh shit there was a movie wait doctor strange came out oh okay you know because there's just so damn much content coming out well i think you you, stop it i think you you nail it right there the the absence makes the heart grow fonder aspect of it because if you sit down and actually watch the star wars movies even the originals it's like they're not that good but yeah. the, the 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 three or four year gap between them made them feel like there was an event happening, and now yeah. it's like, eh, if there's one every week, who cares? It's just more. I remember when they did the that that twenty four hour uh, run of Star Wars and Empire and uh, Jedi, and we went and I I remember sitting through the through uh, A New Hope and just going, this is kind of boring. Yeah, this is kind of a dumb. great movie. Yeah. It's no, <laughs> I mean tricked. But the whole thing is the first trilogy. Like then they then they would do the the things where they would show all three in in one marathon setting in the theater. And I remember doing that my freshman year at, at college at SC. And it was like a Sunday started at like nine in the morning or whatever, and the place was packed because it was not something that happened often. So you still had a, an excitement about it. But I just remember by the time you get to Return of the Jedi, you're so bludgeoned by Star Wars that you just want it to end. And so you get to the <laughs> yeah. battle in Endor and the first uh, <laughs> the first Ewok dies and everybody in the theater just started cheering like it was the greatest thing ever. And then after, this, <laughs> after the crowd noise dies down, you hear one girl in the back go, aww. <laughs> and it was the funniest <laughs> thing I had ever experienced in a Star Wars movie. So, yeah. They're just not good. Yeah. They're not good. Perhaps well, that's yeah. the thing with Star Trek is that for a long time the original series was it. Then they started making movies, but it was still it wasn't a whole lot, you right. know, of content. And when it showed up again, it was kind of nice. And now it's on streaming all the time. There aren't enough ideas. And so they're doing fucking alien. Yeah. Sorry, and it's the yeah, same, I mean, it's the same they're, they're trying writers, to justify right? the existence of that streaming app, you know, with Star Trek, and it's just like, guys, yeah, yeah. dude, come on, seriously. Come on. I yeah. mean, it's is it uh, what's his face, Kurtzman or whoever? Isn't that what, the guy you, you guys bitch about all the time running it? Yes, okay. yes, yes. It it's an Alex Kurtzman joint. Um, it's the same level of not writing. It's yeah, it's just it's painful. Yeah. And and what's more, it's total fan service. They weren't they didn't want to make this. This was like everyone going, "Here's why your your discovery show sucks balls." And yeah. they said, "Oh, okay, then here." You know. Well, they, they had there, an well, accidental they had an accidental walk-on character that was popular, Christopher Pike. And so yeah. they just sort of redid that. Well, Abrams redid that for the the reboots too. So Pike is sort but of But Anson in there. Mount was really yeah. like good at at this job you know i mean okay. the, it's 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 in a way it's the anson mount show and it deserves to be he's good he's really good 
Just these scripts well, don't serve any of it. Well, let me ask you: Does the does the Star Trek universe have the same level of toxic fandom that the Star Wars universe does? Because, like, I don't think there is toxic. I don't think there's such a thing as toxic fandom. There's stuff fucking with the shit I like. You know, maybe I'm a toxic well, fan. No, 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 no. I'm like, if you're going to be Star Wars fans, are toxic fuck this as fuck. Up, well, really? I'm saying like like the Star Wars toxic fandom, like uh, like around the Obi Wan Kenobi show, where like a certain segment just loses their shit because they cast uh, a woman of color in a prominent role, and then they complain about this made up universe of aliens being woke because there's a woman of color in a prominent role. It's that kind of bullshit. Yeah, no, is the, that those is that guys toxic? are assholes. Okay, yeah, that's, Star Trek yeah, super is toxic. built. Star Trek is built entirely on inclusiveness. So, like, the idea... Yeah, that... I I think, actually, Star Trek fans are still complaining that there aren't enough Indians and Chinese considering the current world population. You know, it's like... Yeah. In a way, it's just always been a little too white, even though it's tried not to be too white. Right. Okay. Yeah, no, the, the Star Wars fans are such that, like, anybody who's not a white dude in the Star Wars movies is getting doxxed and, like has to leave social media like yeah, all yeah. of them john boyega and kelly marie tran and this yeah. chick from the obi-wan they it's, like get harassed to death fucking it's terrible really gross it's, yeah i don't understand star wars yeah. Fans I, at all. yeah i i remember hearing about that about john boyega and like how can there be a black stormtrooper it's like motherfucker they're wearing masks you don't know what any of them look like, okay? You don't know what any of them look like. <laughs> yeah, so shut up. Yeah, they they should they could be lizards. You know, yeah. it's it's Star Wars. Well, I love like, like yeah. chill. Yeah, like people complain about race this, race that, and Star Wars is like you totally accept a seven foot tall hairy Wookie sidekick. So shut the fuck up. It's just yeah. you know it doesn't make any sense. Yoda, like they don't care. But if it's like an actual <gasps> gas shock, a person of color. Yeah, man. They lose but but shit. the empire is supposed to be the Nazis, and if I can't have racial purity in the Nazis, then there's no historical accuracy in <laughs> yeah. Star Wars. Yeah. Oh, sorry. Next time somebody says something is woke, the co- proper correction is no, not racist. Just do that. Just like take away this smart ass uh, label that they've they've taken over wokeness. You know, yeah. it, it started well, as a just, joke and now it's like a movement. It's like just saying, no, 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 not, not woke, not yeah. racist. Well, okay? it's like when That's someone it. uses, it's like when someone uses the phrase, let's go, Brandon. It's like, oh, so you're just telling me you're a fucking asshole is literally what you're telling me with mm-hmm. that statement. It's just like that shorthand yes. for I'm a douchebag and I don't deserve yeah. anything on the planet because I'm a fucking douchebag. Call, I mean, that's, call me when you have the fucking balls to just say, fuck you, Biden. How about that? Yeah. 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 So fucking asshole. Yeah. <laughs> and to think this all started with eric just watching star trek and then now it's just devolved into, <laughs> into this yeah, right well, fest. yeah no, the this, this started with the question about toxic fandom and then yeah, i became yeah. a toxic liberal okay but strange new worlds would you would you recommend it for people that didn't like discovery or whatever yeah like should i watch it yeah yeah it's it's okay it is very okay it is i'll tell you this it is much better than picard Picard, no one should watch. Picard should only be shown to like people in prison for like their crimes as a punishment. But yeah, Strange New Worlds, it's got possibilities. I, I, I it's got faults. It's got problems. Uh, you'll spot them all. Their security officer's last name is Noonien Singh. I think that should tell you something. Oh but, God! Um, yeah. Where is this going? Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. But so. E- so are, the are idea you that it is a, 
Are you hopeful they'll get shows I, I like think, a like a Harry Mud? Eh, you know, maybe if they do a one-off. That was the one good thing about Discovery is that Harry Mud represented a one-off episode that was entertaining. This has this does a a monster of the week or a planet of the week or right. you know something that stands on its own and has its own ideas. I like that. I miss that. That's what I've been wanting in a Star Trek okay. for years. Fair enough. And at least they're starting to get it. So yeah, it's a good I way to spend an hour. I would day. keep my eye on it. That's the best I I would say. Not great, but it's not bad. <laughs> this is this yeah. is the 2022 Star Trek fans version of optimism about the future. Eh, maybe it'll be watchable in the future. Yeah. <laughs> they're they're on the right track. I feel like they're on the right track. Time will tell if they're committed to it or if they're just you know like. Like locked in fan service, they'd rather not be doing. <laughs> like we'll do this for a it's season, no and then we'll get back to my great idea that's about I'm Star Trek, but, that's but with me. lizards. You know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, so little, so little. You want a Rochambeau? Yeah, All right. You want a Rochambeau? Or you? Um, do you want to? Let's make Brian back clean up. What do you, Rochambeau. I got some stuff. I I can. Uh, I, I don't care. <laughs> Rochambeau. Well, I really don't have anything. No, I'm kidding. All uh, right, I'll back. So Hulu's Kristen. got. Uh, Just go. <laughs> Hulu's got uh, the second season of Only Murders in the Building has come out. Uh, oh, how's that going? It's actually really good. Uh, it's a good uh, follow up, and I love that the whole the whole show is still about how stupid podcasting is in general. Uh, and they're just still pursuing it. But there's another murder in the building that they're implicated in, and they have to solve their way out of it. So it's it's a lot of fun. But they've uh, upped the ante on some of the cameos. So Shirley MacLaine shows up uh, in one episode, and she is still fucking fabulous. I love Shirley MacLaine so much. And she does a very small role in the episode, but it's so indelible. It's just like, this, this woman's a fucking pro. You can tell she's been doing this for like 60 years. So it's it's fun. And it's still pretty funny, and uh, and Steve Martin. Is she playing Shirley MacLaine, or is she playing somebody? She's playing like an old an old woman who's the mother of the victim. Okay. Uh, so yeah, so she's she's very acerbic, but also like plays it like an old woman who's kind of feeble minded from time to time because she's like ninety. I mean, it's just it's really amusing. Uh, but Steve Martin is still affable. Uh, Martin Short still doing Martin Short, but in a very toned-down version, which I appreciate. Because if you let Martin Short go <laughs> off the leash, then he's almost unwatchable. But here they reel him in really nicely. Uh, and then Selena Gomez is good as well. So it's it's a nice, light uh, comedy murder show, and it's very much flavored by New Yorker cartoons and such. So it's, it's almost highbrow, but not quite, because it's still a Hulu show. Uh, but it's very amusing. So if you like the first season, you're, you're definitely going to stick with this one because it's fun. But I highly recommend it to to anyone out there who yeah. wants a good like diversion. It's frothy. It's I, ha- it's I haven't pulled the trigger on that one yet, but that's because for, for whatever reason, all the series I've been watching decided that they all needed to launch their new season at the same goddamn time. Right? Like yeah, now I've got problem. a backlog. There's only murders yeah. and there's the boys and there's the Umbrella Academy and right. Stranger Things and... and Harley Quinn is coming back at the end of this month, and, yeah, and it's I mean, like, hey, 
it was real boring back in January, guys. Where were the shows? You know? <laughs> yeah. I'm in the I'm in the same boat. And and I don't binge. I mean, I literally like watch one episode yeah. every day or two or three or whatever. So I don't like sit down and just do the whole thing. So like for only murders, I like I like this where they drop one episode a week. Like the old days. Like they don't like Netflix still drops them all at once. Except for Stranger Things four, they drop like the first two thirds of it. And then waited a month to do the other two, so it's like they they're starting to fuck with it. But uh, but yeah, I don't binge really well, so it's I like that they can spread them out. But yeah, there's too many shows going on right now, so it's irritating. Yeah. But uh, nice thing though is if you can maintain a list, you can keep yourself going for like a year on all this. Oh shit. yeah. Well, I mean, we've as long as you don't forget what it was that you wanted mm-hmm. to watch, you know. Well, it's. Rather than, and I also can't do shows simultaneously. I don't know what my bag is. It's just hard for me to do now. I think it's because I only have like maybe a couple hours a night where I'll actually watch TV. And so I want to watch other stuff and not just get tied to these shows that I have to watch. So randomly, the other thing I just, I've been winding up doing to fill the time is <laughs> like most, most nights uh, I'll interchange but like every other night or so i end up watching a bunch of like old mary tyler moore show reruns for some reason and i don't know why (laughs) but there's such a weird time capsule because it's supposed to be this real feminist show but you you watch it and you realize that the problems that mary has uh are usually involving her her life as a single woman getting dates trying to find a husband this and that it's so weird it's just a very strange show, but it yeah. was supposed to be. It's the beginning of feminist culture. Yeah. We basically grew out yeah. of it. Yeah. So it's it's a very uh, interesting time capsule for the the early mid seventies. And as the show progresses, like the fashions get so so much grosser as the seventies went on, because it started in like 1971, so it was still had that sixties flavor. But by like the mid of, middle of their run, seventy five ish, like the collars are just huge, and they're wearing like leisure suits and nonsense, yeah. and it's just like oh gross, that is so gross. Uh. <laughs> so they're just a weird, fun time capsule. But the last week I was watching ones that were set in nineteen seventy four. It was like the third season or something, and uh, randomly just. Mary had told someone that she earned $225 a week. So I went on Google and did the inflation calculator and that's like uh, 1600 bucks a week. I'm like, that's not bad. Mary had a pretty good job back in 1974. So, you know, take that for what it's worth. 1974. But now it's like, anytime it comes on, my wife and I will just start singing the stupid theme song because it never changed. I was going to say, with that kind of pay, she's going to make it after all, isn't she? Yeah. Who can turn yeah. the world on with her smile? Yeah. So it's Which always creeped me out. The idea that, that this woman would like walk outside and smile and then all these boners would start like <laughs> up. <laughs> yeah. So it's uh, it's just goofy. So oh, yeah. Oh jeez. So if you're into like, you know, reruns that you could You what, just me? Just me. Yeah. Okay, no, just me. No, Fine. No. I'm the asshole. <laughs> I just managed to, you know, live several decades since I thought that way. So. Yeah. So there you go. So yeah, if you're into if you're into TV shows that you can watch with your your grandma, then uh, Mary Tyler Moore. Is yeah. It. Welcome to my Arrested Development. That. Yeah. No, no, we're yeah. all twelve year old boys in some way, shape, or form. Snicker, snicker, um, snicker. All right. Um. So. 
for mine, uh, I got two things. The first, I'm the kind of. I was just gonna say I'm the kind of twelve year old boy who still uses the word boner. So you go ahead. <laughs> um. So two things. The first of which, uh, you know, this has been one of the absolute worst summer movie seasons conceivable. When the best movie literally is the Top Gun movie somehow. Um, yeah, it's just been bad. And, you know, one of the things that people have been pointing to as a shining light, uh, I went and watched, uh, it's on Netflix, and it's a movie from India called RRR, which is like Rise, Roar, Revolt, or something like that. Oh, it's not about and pirates? R. That's what I it's, thought it was. It's not. It's about, not about dogs. It's about arr, overthrowing arr, 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 the British arr, arr. Empire, actually. <laughs> um, is it a musical? So it's a th- no, there is a there is a big dance number in the middle, but it's yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, no, there's a big there's a big dance number in the middle that is um, part of the story. It takes place at a wedding, and it's like a battle of cultures kind of thing, and and it's it's just these guys are all making like the best movie they can. It's like. You're, you've got just hundreds and hundreds of people on the screen, and they're all at the top of their game, and they're pushing and pushing as hard as they can, and in service of this big, long... It really kind of felt like watch, binging a show in that it has a few places where it could have easily ended, but then, like, there's another act, and then it happens again. Um, so it's like but, uh, like Return of the King? It's got, yeah, like, seven, ex- 700 endings. Except, except that... In the Return of the Kings, it's just ending, 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 and this is more like, okay, and now on to the next bit of conflict, uh, even. But uh, it's this big sprawling movie about these two guys who ultimately, you know, who are friends, but are also working at cross purposes and are also kind of hunting each other, but they don't know it yet. Um, and they have just the the the. I don't know how to explain these action sequences because they're not big and goofy in a like look how big and ridiculous we we are way they're not quite at like hong kong uh shuffle or whatever that that uh you know stephen chow kind of level oh kung fu hustle kung fu yeah wow did that very wrong uh yeah (laughs) Yeah, it's okay um it was it's a portmanteau it, it, it it's uh it's taking itself more seriously than that, kind of, but it's also ludicrous, you know, like, so, like, one of the early scenes in the movie introduces one of our characters, and he's, he is, uh, he has taken the side, he's an Indian dude who's taken the side of the British, he's, you know, he's part of the British police force or whatever, and he's, they've pointed to some guy in, in this big throng of people who are trying to attack the British embassy or whatever, and, like, get that guy, and it's so well shot because the guy they're trying to get, you know, they they costume him in a way where he stands out in this huge sea of people, and then our our character goes out, jumps over the chain link fence and the and the razor wire, and is just beating the shit out of everyone in the way. He's just wailing on dozens of dudes to try to get <laughs> to the other guy, and and it's not played for laughs; it's just heightened in that way, and so all of the action is just over the top but still kind of taking itself seriously it's a, it's a fine line 
Um, so is so I enjoyed the, it. So the tone is light, or is it supposed to be like this hardcore? Like epic no, thing? it's it's not hardcore either. It's more of a. It's it's intended to be badass for all ages almost or at least for for teenagers and up maybe okay. but but from india right like there's still a sense of like a cultural like there are limits here guys we're not going to go gory for example right but okay. but we're definitely going to go as hard as we can and also as big and goofy as we can without being a clown about it it really walks a tightrope <laughs> tonally but they pull it off um, they know like, exactly what they're trying to do. It's like three hours long, right? It's super long. It, yeah, most most Indian movies are like the way they watch movies out there is a whole different thing. It's like theater with a thousand people in it, and there's an intermission, and there's food, and you know it's a party. Okay. And, you know, but when you watch them here, yeah, it's just like, well, here's a three hour movie, you know. <laughs> yeah. But uh, uh, I enjoyed it. I thought, uh, you know, it, it definitely. I understand why people are like, hey, Hollywood. You could make movies like this. You, you don't have to all be franchises. <laughs> yeah, know? but then they'd have to market them and tell people what they're about. Yeah. Yeah. So, RRR. Um, I know R-R-R. you're not going to watch it because it's three hours long. But, <laughs> it makes me um, think of Mork and Mindy now all of a sudden. RRRR. Hey, Mindy. <laughs> God. Um, I now like the, the idea of like a Western film company making a film like an Indian film where just in the middle for no reason the actors all start going ah yeah 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 and start dancing and doing a a weird number jumping they into a comedy bit when it doesn't make sense totally I mean, fuck it up if the US tried to make this movie they would yeah. not isn't, do it isn't that why heaven's gate was such a dud like they did that whole big thing in the middle or am I just misthinking that? I don't know. I I didn't watch it. You mean the rest of the movie? Yeah. Yeah, it was the rest of the movie that ruined the movie. <laughs> yeah. It, it wasn't the 30 tons of coke. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and then for my other fresh shit, I finally saw, because the touring company came to town, another Broadway show at Gamage. I have now seen The Lion King on stage. Nice. Um... Did they get real animals to do it, or is it people in suits? Oh, no. No, The Lion King is the most expensive puppet show of all time. <laughs> is it like Labyrinth? Um, like people on stilts, right? It's a weird it's, deal. Okay. It's it's more like... It's more stylized than that. Like, I don't know if you've seen any pictures of what these costumes are like, but they're, they're more sort of the shape of the animal than an accurate representation, right? Like, it's, it's like... You got a bunch of artists who are trying to put on a um, an exhibit at the art museum of of animals the way they see them, and they're made out of costumes, and they're wild and creative and really unique, but also kind of has that. Well, it was made on the it was made by artists who only had so many resources available to them, except right. that there are just so goddamn many of them because it's got Disney money behind it. Uh, it it's kind of working for me, right? Like it's very much it's it's very much its own thing. It's like here is our unique vision of the Lion King until it isn't, right? Because all of a sudden, Timon and Pumbaa show up, right? And 
and the Timon specifically is a rod puppet, you know, that this guy is like got on his feet and he's he's acting the character and it just looks like Timon. He's like the only character that looks just like his movie counterpart, except he's also a puppet, so he's kind of uncanny valley and a little creepy zombie. Okay. Um and <laughs> And, well, and this is where it just it just breaks the show for me because like I I could be there for like okay we're gonna tell the story of the Lion King in this new unique way but also the faces of the hyenas look like the faces from the 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 movie now the bodies don't because the bodies are actors <laughs> hunched over and their hands are up in the heads and they've not you know they're missing part of their torso and you just kind of have to mentally fill in the blanks the way but you're the faces descri- are right and the way you're describing this to me it's sort of like when mr rogers takes the train to the land of make-believe and he's talking to meow meow and you know and all that shit it's, <laughs> I mean, it's like it's just yeah. it's just a puppet show set to music right that's it's, your that's your clear line. It's a big fat puppet show of the Lion King, and then you know they also have all the Elton John songs, and then they have other songs, and, and the other songs fall into two categories: straight up like African music, which is great, and then mm. like attempts to write pop songs in Broadway style. And those have to go toe to toe with Elton John, and you shouldn't do that, uh, well, composer people. <laughs> like, well, don't I mean, do that. I mean, to to be real, the the Lion King movie has probably got the most consistent number of hummable tunes, like the most that you would know, because you've got Circle of Life, Hakuna Matata, uh, just can't wait mm-hmm. to be king. Can, blah, can blah, you blah, feel blah. the love tonight? Can you feel yeah. the love tonight? I mean, it's like it's like bona fide hit songs almost so yeah because they're elton john songs yeah exactly (laughs) and and strangely like can you feel the love tonight was like a low point like somehow they didn't turn that into a big soaring moment i don't know why um it's (laughs) it's just it was it was (sighs) i get why people are into it but it was inconsistent and frustrating for me probably because you're not eight just pick just pick <laughs> yeah. one style or the other. We're either making the movie on stage or we're making this unique vision. Quit trying to do both. That's that's confusing. And also, as a 50-year-old, watching all of these people hunching over to play lions and hyenas, my back hurts just watching this thing. Like it right. just looks uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> oh my sciatica, I feel very bad for you right now. <laughs> I mean, it's true. It's all true. What is this? Is this a cartoon? Is this a puppet? I don't know what I'm seeing now here. Uh, what? I'll be right back. I gotta what go. They're the ones who aren't speaking loud. I'll be right back. I have to go to the bathroom. Tell me what happens. <laughs> how do they do the? Anyway. Uh, how do they handle the the wildebeest stampede? Actually, that's, that's really well thought through. Um, okay. They have they so the thing about this is that they use the entire vertical space of the theater. The stage is very tall, and and so they're able to kind of have the stuff in the distance way up high coming down, and that's like a scrolling. Um, I don't know if it was literally like a, a you know a canvas that they had rolling on um, 
on something or if it was just projection. And right. then in the midfield, they have dancers who've got these puppet wildebeests that are mid-sized. And then in the foreground, they've got dancers as full-sized wildebeests, and they're kind of rolling over the hills through there. And then they do acrobatic stunts with wires where, you know, um, Mufasa falls all the way from the top of the stage down to the stage and you watch it happen you realize this was the prototype for that same director's aborted spider-man musical that came after this on broadway <laughs> turn off the dark but it's um so dumb. yeah but i mean yeah so when they want to do the technical razzle dazzle or when they finally give you the ghost of mufasa in the stars that that those st- things are staged really effectively with a lot of verticality and that's cool and again it's great until zombie Timon shows up. Right. You know, and then then it's weird. <laughs> okay. Um, Don't make it weird. Don't make can it I weird. Ask you a, can I ask you an odd question that just occurred mm-hmm. to me? Uh, okay, wait. When did this play come out? 97. Like original. What's the original? 97. Uh, okay, so we're only maybe 10, 20 years away from a high school putting this thing on. <laughs> How are they going to do it? Um... Like the, the high school I, that did I Aliens. Assume, I, How hilarious is that going I to be? I assume it's going to be on the level of Shrek the Musical being done at, at elementary schools or the Seussical. It's going to be bad, right? Yeah. There's going to be costumes, and mm. they're going to be bad. Yeah. Um, but there's going to be that. a lot of the costumes remember, you could translate like, into something yeah. cheap. You could. I just remember always thinking when we were doing those musicals in high school and going, you know, at some point, this was the biggest deal in town on Broadway. And now we're doing yeah. it, and it's shit. <laughs> yeah, it's sort of like, yeah, the, the ninth game presentation of Death of a Salesman, and it's like a 12-year-old Willie Loman or whatever. It just doesn't translate. <laughs> With a ball <laughs> yeah, cap. It's basically, yeah. it becomes the Max Fisher players, if anything. That's really what it would come down to. <laughs> well, side note. I found this in the garage, Pop. You were going to kill yourself, weren't you? <laughs> the idea of 12-year-olds doing that scene is so great. Yeah. Well, I'm All of our plays were the ones where we made deals with the devil, so, you know. Exactly. Anyway. Exactly. Well, <laughs> congratulations on getting your your Broadway on, sir. I, I got my Lion King uh, stamp on my Broadway passport, so Yay. now I can I can level up or something. Yeah, that's bucket All right, list right I'm with there. The show. <laughs> <laughs> bucket list. Welcome to our uh, our talk about 1978's Burt Reynolds is Hooper. 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 Uh, I, Hooper. I Hooper. Mister Hooper. I will just. Hoopa, hoopa. I will just preface this uh, by telling you that as a child, meaning like eight, so when this thing was on HBO in 1979, 24-7, uh, I watched it every single time it came on. And so Hooper is just one of those movies that's ingrained in my subconscious for no good reason. And I saw it was on HBO Max, and so I thought I'd just revisit it with you fellas and get your take on it. Because it's a love letter to Hollywood and stuntmen. More than anything. My history with this movie is that it was one of those movies that came on on the ABC uh, Sunday night movie, movie, which was like an event in the 70s because nobody had cable. And this was like, oh, here's the big movie for the week that fucking everybody's going to watch. And it was a big deal. It was like the the proto Smokey and the Bandit with all the people who made Smokey and the Bandit. It's sort of like stripping back the, uh, the curtain. 
and seeing how they make movie magic. Uh, With director Hal Needham, who is himself a former stuntman, telling this tale about an aging stuntman. I mean, yeah. And and the the kind of typical hijinks in his films. Yeah. As well. It's good. And it's uh yeah. and it's 1978 was when this came out. So it's the same year as the another fun uh big time action hero star comedy that we have already done a show about uh every which way but loose. Uh so a good year for just some nonsense. And so uh so I knew Eric had seen it before. Had had you ever watched Hooper before, Brian? Have you oh, watched no. Hooper at all? No, I had I had I didn't have cable as a kid, as you know. Okay. Right. So that that wasn't just I knew it was on cable all the time. Right. Never watched it. Never I was not a Smokey and the Bandit fan. I was not a Burt Reynolds person, so I didn't really? see any reason okay. to watch it. So this was my first viewing of Hooper. Uh, um Effervescent Fun or Terrible Bullshit. Um giant excuse for stuntmen to do gags yes like exactly all it is exactly the whole movie is just yeah a bunch of stuntmen are like we got gags we want to do them let's write a bare bones script what's it going to be about uh stuntmen doing stunts okay cool you know well well, i love that's all it is i think one one of the one of the funniest gags to me is that the writer is always flipping out because you know they're not listening to the and and that's basically this movie is that the, the writing is basically an excuse to yeah glue together with chewing gum a bunch yeah. of because it's basically it's <laughs> a bunch yeah. of stunts that wouldn't make sense yeah in any it's just movie. A, a movie within a movie it's called the spy who laughed at danger and it stars adam west as adam west uh which mm-hmm. is like a james bondian sort of super spy thriller and so the whole thing is just literally just un- non-contextual stunt scenes uh where burt reynolds comes in as Sonny Hooper, the stunt coordinator, legend, whatever, and they just do these like random stunts, and then you know do their glibby dialogue, and then okay, here's the stunt, and then come back to the glibby dialogue. So it's like this weird cut and paste. Like any action movie is like, well, just take this cool thing. Like, wouldn't this be fun? And just like insert it here, and yeah, then move on with your day. Do a Wild West show in the <laughs> yeah. context of this film. Though, yeah, just you know, yeah. The, here, though there. I remember the 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 actual story being more meaningful as a kid. The idea of the aging stuntman right. and the kid who's up and coming and going to replace Jan- him. I always thought that was like a bigger deal, but it really no. wasn't. <laughs> I remember, yeah, same thing. I was like, it was a much more interesting film with all yeah. of that, with the idea of this guy going, "No, I need to keep pushing it because I'm an old man yeah. and I can't handle it." Well, it's funny because you've got uh, like the generational stuff. So you've got Brian Keith, who I don't know, most people might remember as the dad from Family Affair. Or the original Parent Trap Hard movie, Castle and McCormick. yeah, Hardcastle McCormick, and he's like the uh, the the over the hill like retired legend uh, who I was sort of like a mentor to Burt Reynolds, Sonny Hooper, who's sort of on the wane, and then here comes Jan Michael Vincent as the up and coming uh, stunt kid uh, who they call Ski, and uh, so there's the rivalry going, but it's literally like yeah, the old West movies where it's the young kid gunning for the the gunfighter kind of a thing. And then they sort of develop a rapport. And yeah, one disturb one thing I, I, even as a kid, I didn't understand is that they didn't like this kid because he did math and he like figured <laughs> exactly. out the like physics of what yeah. they were about to do. Whereas what Burt Reynolds just like ran headlong into fucking well, brick walls yeah. and decided, yeah. yeah, that was a good uh-huh. gag. That, that was the thing that, that really threw me, right? Like 
so you know they say he's a stunt coordinator. There's no coordination of the stunts nope. in the, in in None. this plot at all, right? They're, they're <laughs> yeah. just like, hey, uh, um, are you going to show up to the thing tomorrow to do all the stunts? Uh, no, I wasn't planning to. Okay, fine, I'll show up, and then they just do stunts, right? And yeah. it's like, you know, hey, I I need a different stunt, but now I need you to incorporate a dog or or whatever. Like they're just yeah. making this shit up as they go, and I'm like. No, no, no. Somebody, you know, the people, the stuntmen who made this movie about being stuntmen are spending all this time planning it, and we don't give them any credit for behaving that way, or maybe they just wing it. I don't Well, I think it's a statement more on, like, uh, on how movies that are very stunt-heavy sort of just become that. Like, it's all about the spectacle, because the Richard Klein character is the director, who's, who plays Roger. Uh, he, I guess he's a riff on Peter Bogdanovich, who Burt Reynolds had worked on with uh several movies before <laughs> and so he's like this really just uh like nose in the air jackass like artsy director and there's like a whole bit of dialogue at at, at some point where he's talking to Burt Reynolds and Sonny Hooper about this and that and the other and then he's very uh talk downy to Hooper and then when he leaves Sonny's like well I'm glad uh you know he he didn't talk down to me and someone's like well when you're last picture makes a hundred million dollars. Nobody will be able to talk down to you either. And that's a, that's a joke on Hal Needham because Smokey and the Bandit came out the year before and was number two only to star Wars for the year. And so that gave him carte blanche. Mm. So he just decides to do this stupid tribute <laughs> to stuntmen off the heels of Smokey and the Bandit. And it's just this <laughs> weird, like insider baseball look at stunt movies. And so like, I don't think they really cared to go into the nonsense about coordinating the stunts. It's just sort of like, yeah, the dude shows up, does a stunt, gets the shit kicked out of him because he's old. And so then his buddy's going to shoot him full of like, uh, painkillers and stuff just so he hydrocortisone. hydrocortisone. Yeah. Yeah. So he's just basically patching himself together with duct tape and wire so that he can go do the next stunt. And that's literally the movie. And it's just so, yeah. I mean, you get the sense that they had fun making it. Right, oh, yeah. I think that you enjoy this movie if you're able to to kind of go have fun with them, or if you feel detached from them. Right? Yeah, like that's that's pretty much how it's going to be. Well, they just yeah they they insert all these just the nets. I guess is the best way to put it. There's no plot, but it's just sort of like they're on set, they're doing the stunt, and then it's all of the shenanigans offset. So there's like that whole sequence where they're driving down the road in their caravan like speeding the highway and right. drinking beer and right. doing all the goofy stunts. And then the motorcycle cop stops them. And then they have shenanigans where in any non-movie real life situation that would have gotten a couple of them arrested right off the bat. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. So it's just shit like that. And then in between they're talking well, about, I was actually yeah. thinking, go ahead. No, go ahead. I was, and in between You're that, in it's like, Sorry, go ahead. it's in between that. It's like them having like heart to heart talks about their mortality. I mean, it's just this really uneven, yeah, and, but all that stuff is like just buried in the shenanigans, and it didn't really register as a child. But when I watch it as an adult, I'm like, oh crap! <laughs> like, yeah, I get it now. Yeah, no, that's exactly what I was where it's about to go. Is that like if you take out all the wacky bits and you uh, heighten, you know, those 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 bits of dialogue that are human, it's a Darren Aronofsky film. True, it's really you know like a human drama about people falling apart. Yeah, and. It's really interesting on that level, except of course it's full of you know wacky yeah, and it's hell so and it's, it's hell needham. So yeah, you're not going to get a lot of depth. I mean, yeah. you know, this is the guy that did Megaforce and Cannonball Run. <laughs> if you took about out all the wackiness, you would get the wrestler. Yes, or 
uh, or the stuntman <laughs> from 1980, uh, which was a much darker yeah. take on the same thing. But uh, it's just goofy. I do like that this has a distinction of it's got the like the gag reel during the credits, like all the bloopers and such. And this is one mm-hmm. of the first movies that sort of did that. And then it became like a thing. Like if if this movie didn't do it, you couldn't have it in Cannibal Run and then Toy Story wouldn't do it 20 some odd years later. It's mm-hmm. just so weird to me that this is the movie that that's the genesis of. It's like just people. There was For some a, reason I thought it was. There was an episode. Banana. There was an episode of The State, that sketch yes. show, The yes. State, mm-hmm. where like at the end of an episode, they redid the entire gag reel from uh, I think <laughs> it was Hooper. And it was like shot for shot. I remember watching that and just, just thinking this, these people are out of their fucking minds. This is awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Cause it was, it was, yeah, beat for beat. Uh, but yeah, but the whole movie Hooper is just, it's just an excuse to, to have fun. I mean, it just, the whole thing leads up to that weird rocket car thing. And they allegedly quote unquote, do it all in one take in the, in the movie movie. <laughs> and so it's just this like goofy deal where it's the car running around during an earthquake with shit falling apart. And then they come to a bridge that's gone and then they have to shoot the rocket to get over. That's like the big, uh, end of the movie. And it's just, everything like sort of just leads up to that. And then suddenly the last half or third of the movie is just about them freaking out over this never before done rocket stunt. And, uh, as a kid, I remember it being like really cool in the buildup when you watch this adult, you're like, what's what's the big deal it's just i don't get it yeah so it's yeah why not why didn't you just do it optically yeah, exactly <laughs> <laughs> uh but it's just goofy because it's it's when burt reynolds and sally field were full-on a couple after Smokey and the bandit and sally yeah. field has literally nothing to do in this thing it's just so weird because it's like her pre-norma she, ray you know what i mean yeah, so Sally Field is basically playing herself, right? Like, she's the girlfriend of Burt Reynolds, and Burt Reynolds is doing all this drunken whore <laughs> shit and having yeah. bar fights and stuff, and she's just trying to, like, not get hit yeah. and, you know, be there and, like, you know, avoid, uh, <laughs> avoid well, the, being too caught up in it. <laughs> well, where it gets so weird and becomes this sort of serendipitous thing is that in the movie, Sally Field is the daughter of Jocko Doyle, the Brian Keith character. Uh, and she's living with Burt Reynolds' character, Sonny Pooper. Well, in real life, Sally Field, her her stepfather was the stuntman named Jock Mahoney, who is the inspiration for the Jocko Doyle character. So the whole thing is just this weird, like, insider baseball, like, was, was pull the curtain away. Script, or did they uh, just do in shit? Theory, <laughs> I mean, in theory, I mean, it started out, it was actually called the stuntman, I guess, is when it... Uh, first came out a couple years before and and reynolds was interested and he committed early and then a little bit of trivia the original director in 1975 was a guy named lamont johnston or lamont johnson who i looked him up his only claim to fame that makes any sense to me that i had i recognize is he's the eventual director of space hunter in 1983 but other than that like nothing there's a movie called space hunter (laughs) Yeah, it's the three oh, D okay. movie with uh with Molly Ringwald and uh whatnot. Like the le- was it the Adventures in the Forbidden Zone? Oh, is this 
not the legend of Jared Sin or whatever. No, that no, was no. Storm. That was a different. That was Metal Storm. This is Space Hunter. Okay. Uh, wow. Yeah. Memorable. So, yeah. And so <laughs> it was. Uh, it was shelved until like '76, and then when Needham had his big hit with Smoking the Bandit, then they pulled it out of the pile and uh, dusted it off, and then said, "Go for it." And so it's just literally Burt Reynolds, just sort of being Burt Reynolds from that era. Like literally every movie he made from then, from Smoking and the Bandit until like Cannonball Run Two, is literally just him, like being a version of himself. You know what I mean? And it's just they all have him going ha ha ha. Yeah, and being a snarky little jackass to everybody, but affably. So you love him because he's a scamp. He's a scoundrel. He's so much fun, and he's so handsome. And it's just ugh. so by by the time you get to Cannonball Run two, the the luster has definitely worn <laughs> worn off. This this may be one of the last movies that I'm aware of where the title card sequence is a '60s style, where the title of the movie is in double quotes, and they go through all the credits up front. You know, yeah, on the way, way in, like it has that very uh, well, dated. Intro. Well, it's, it's very old school, and I think because it's a tribute to stuntmen, I don't know. It's because part of the thematics of this one is sort of the the melancholy over the the waning of old Hollywood and new Hollywood sort of taking over. And again, this is the seventies, mm-hmm. so this is when like Scorsese and all those guys were coming up doing the new Hollywood thing and totally rewriting the rules. And so this, I think, is almost sort of like trying to set an amber. Like old Hollywood, like this is how we do it, and this is how we've always done it, uh, but it doesn't quite take. Because then you've got Jan Michael Vincent as Ski, who <laughs> characters comes in, he's like doing the numbers and figuring out trajectories and all the shit, and everybody's giving a bunch of crap because he's just a dumb kid. But it's like, no, this guy, he's trying to make sure that you do this right and you don't die. It's not just jump off the building and hit the bag. Yeah. <laughs> so <laughs> there's a lot going on that uh, I missed as a kid. So it's very strange. And then his buddy, Burt Reynolds' buddy in this is played by James Best, who everybody knows is Roscoe Coltrane from Dukes of Hazzard. Yeah. But this that, was, be- that was funny. I didn't pick up on it. My wife called it out and was like, yeah. she's like, and that's Roscoe. I'm like, Roscoe, oh shit, that's Roscoe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, I guess, and I read this too. Apparently James Best used to be one of Burt Reynolds' acting teachers like back in the day. Uh, and. Yeah. And Best, like, had done a bunch of old westerns, like, classic westerns, like Winchester 76 and whatever. And so he had worked with guys like Jimmy Stewart. And so all of that stuff sort of bleeds into his performance in Hooper. But if you don't know any of that stuff, it's just sort of, like, throwaway shit. But the more you know about the history of everything, it's like everybody's got a tie to, like, old school Hollywood. And this thing just sort of, like, sponges out into this grander, weirder thing. It's sort of like... Uh, when the player came out and they used all of the cameos to kind of lend it some credibility for how fucked up Hollywood was. I mean, it's sort of that same vibe, but it's like all hidden. They don't really push it in your face. Uh, but when you watch it over time, it becomes this whole other thing. At least for me, it does. So it's it's one reason that I'm still able to watch Hooper from time to time. But I don't know. I don't know if you'll ever watch it again, Brian. I'm sensing you probably <laughs> probably no, didn't I, I floor probably you. Probably won't. Ah, <laughs> uh, but as as Burt Reynolds' vehicles go, how would you rate it? 
As Burt Reynolds' vehicles go, you know, as a Burt Reynolds vehicle, it's a, it's right in the in that lane. I mean, right? it's I don't think it's any better yeah. or worse than Smokey and the Bandit. It's it's one of those. You know, yeah. it's Burt Reynolds it, doing his I, thing. I say the same thing. It is just about perfectly standard, right? right? Yeah. You know, it's like there are great Burt Reynolds movies, there are shit Burt Reynolds movies, and this is just sort of the average. The you two. know, and I think you hit the nail on the head because, like, I think it was Janet Maslin who was writing for the New York Times, uh, just talking about how Reynolds at the time was one of the most effortlessly appealing movie stars. Uh, but she notes that he's always had trouble sort of consolidating his following. And so Hooper was sort of like a, a meet in the middle kind of a thing. So it was like the, the, you're the right. Mocking- that he doesn't seem to be putting a lot of effort into it. Yeah. And so it's like, <laughs> yeah. So it's like, he's basically trying to please the fans that want him to want to see him be like the, the flip it scoundrel with a, a goofy smile that'll just charm you and like the you know the the hardcore action band and so it's like a weird middle ground so it's like they, they just sort of like split the difference and said well uh he'll be the scoundrel but then we'll give him the action scenes but it's within the context of this is a movie that he's being hired to do stunts for and so like the whole thing just doesn't quite connect but somehow it does. I don't know how yeah. to explain it. It's just, it's, it's a strange deal. As, as movies about insider Hollywood go, this is actually a very above par for me, but that's a totally different vibe than what people would probably go into it thinking they were going to get. So it's, it's very weird. I, I do love when they're sitting around watching their, uh, their, their, not their gag reel, but their like work right. prints from other right. shit they've worked mm-hmm. on. And there's shit of him from yeah, Deliverance. Exactly. <laughs> that was weird. <laughs> that was very yeah. weird. <laughs> it's just dumb. But then they got to do throwaway stuff where like they're all hanging out in the bar, having food. And then like Terry Bradshaw and his buddies are there for some reason and then pick a fight. And then they have like the, yeah, the well, standard. That's why they're there. So that there yeah. can be a fight in a bar. Yeah, it's like it's the standard <laughs> cowboy all. bar fight. Uh, and then by the end, they're all friends and they're getting drunk watching these movies. Uh, I mean, it's just like, there's like, there's no, uh, comeuppance for any of their bullshit. It just sort of happens and then they get away with it and then they move on. It's like, nobody learns a lesson, but then you've got that weird throw line of like, well, if I do another stunt, my knees are going to blow out and I'm going to have to use a walker the rest of my life. It's like that's just thrown in out of nowhere. And then suddenly the stakes are on for that rocket car jump. I mean, it's just so goofy. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's just, uh, it's just, it's lazy. But at the same time, I don't care. This is one of those movies. I'll just turn my brain off. I'll watch it. Hey, that was fun. And then I'll move on with my day. It's just, that's yeah. one of those deals. It's, did you ever watch, uh, the great Waldo Pepper? Not for a long time. The it, it it's it's uh uh what's the name? Oh, I always forget Redford the name. Um, but yeah, Robert Redford as a pilot who, you know, they he loves flying, but he's a stunt flyer for flying shows, and it's a lot of horseshit, and there's a lot of regulation. And <clears throat> at one point, he goes up to have uh an actual dogfight with another pilot from World War One who was a German ace. And it's the whole idea of, yeah, I'm going to die. You're going to die. Who cares? Let's, you know, let's, let's live for our honor rather than, uh, you know, to make our lives longer. I, there was that, 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 a uh, touch of that in Hooper of just rather than worry about being yeah. in the Walker for the rest of my life, I'm going to try and live my life correctly, you know, to, yeah. according to my code. 
The well, problem also, is it's buried in so much nonsense that you don't really get that. Yeah. And I think that's where this movie fails is it doesn't have the uh, self-confidence to actually do what it's saying it's doing. So say a thigh. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I mean, <laughs> if you want to overthink it, sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I wanted to overthink it just for a <laughs> yeah. moment. Yeah. But, uh, you know, at the end of the day, it's just, it's Burt Reynolds and company being Burt Reynolds and company. Uh, they were sort of the, that was sort of the, the weird pseudo rat pack of the day. Uh, and then by the time you get Cannonball Run, it's just like celebrities galore rolling in. So it's, it's just kind of goofy. Yeah. But, uh, I don't know. Cannonball Run was fun. I mean, I guess that's the thing. Cannonball Run was designed to be nothing but stupid until you're okay yeah. with it. Hooper had like pretensions yeah. for being about something more, and then it was just stupid. And I think that's what makes uh, me go, oh, guys, you just. Maybe that's it. it. Maybe they rolled in with a script that had all of that dramatic undertones, and they just started cutting it out for whatever reason. And then yeah. Needham's like, well, fuck it. It's just going to be a movie about. Uh, stunts just strung together randomly and then a couple of bits here and there about how it's taking a toll I don't know <laughs> it's like, yeah. but then you get to the end with the blooper reel and alright got... but can my girlfriend have a paycheck too yeah oh, really <laughs> <laughs> well and at the very end then this is sort of where it's, it's a ding is because you've got that stupid life of a Hollywood stuntman song that's like the weird countrified and it's they're totally trying to do eastbound and down but it's not jerry reed so the song is just terrible and it just plays incessantly over that goddamn end credits and it's so irritating i hate it so much but it just burrows in your head because they were not like a hollywood stunt man stunt man and it's just as a kid at eight you think that was yeah thank you think that was the inspiration for the Lee Majors theme for uh, the yeah. well, that's, fall guy? Because yeah. I'm the unmoved exactly. And that's the other thing. I don't think you would get Fall Guy unless you had this movie Hooper. I mean, it's a direct, direct flow through. It's sort of like they decided, well, how do we make a Hooper TV show? And then they're like, well, let's make him a skip tracer just to add some spice. And it's, yeah. you know, it's just like <laughs> so dumb. So He's a stuntman, but he's also a bounty hunter. I mean, it's just, no, stop it. Pick a lane, man. Pick a lane. So, so so now that's going to be the music that plays under me taking us out of the show, isn't it? We're going to play that. You're going to have to. uh, Or I I would go with the one from Lee Matrix. Just, uh, Just let it wash over you, kids. Go to HBO Max. Fire up Hooper. It's 90 minutes of your day that's just going to be effervescent fun. That's all I'm going to say. And then get high. Get high. And, and, and then watch it. Yeah. I, I, I guarantee you, get high yeah. will help. Usually. That's how it worked for me when and I was then, eight. Yeah. And then tell us what you thought of it. Uh, you can hit us up on the social medias. You can do that. You can hit us up on Twitter. We're at MagHuge. M-A-G-H-U-G-E. Uh, you can find us on Facebook or Instagram with Magnificently Huge Podcast. You can email magnificentlyhuge at gmail.com. Don't have to remember any of that. Just go to our website, maghuge.com. You can find links to all that. But more importantly, rate the show on iTunes, subscribe on, on uh, your podcast app of choice, and uh, send it around on your social media feed. Give people a link. Tell them to listen to the show. Yeah. And we'll be back for more shenanigans soon. 
we'll always be back. Because we love you. Yeah, boy. I don't know. I don't know. I ran out of outros for this shit a long time ago.